What up, what up, what up, internet? Who you are, where you be, where you at, what you see. In a galaxy a long, long time ago, a podcast was created that brought y'all the hottest stuff on the internet. This is Pop Cult Parent, and I'm one of your hosts, Mark M.F. Jones. And as always, I'm joined by... This is Niels R.Y., a.k.a. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now, I am the master. And this is Shannon, a.k.a. Greedo. Gunslinging Greedo. That's what it is. <laughs> Shannon shot first. Remember that. But, uh, <laughs> but yo, if y'all haven't found out, you know, we're going to talk about um, Star Wars today. But before we get started, Nels is going to introduce a special guest. Uh, Nels, who, who's joining us, uh, the council, joining the Jedi Council for this special new, this special event we have tonight? So the... The fact that Pop Call Parent is doing a Star Wars episode, you knew we had to bring in a special guest. And when I think Star Wars, I think of my homeboy, like the person that I just anytime May the 4th comes around, I'm like one looking at like something to tweet for Star Wars. But the second thing I do is tweet him. I don't even tweet him on his birthday. I don't even like reach out to him on his birthday. But when Star Wars comes out, I'm like, yo, hey, man, happy Star Wars Day. Like, so I'm honored and privileged to have my homeboy who is a doctor, a rapper, a lyricist, a poet, uh, a father, a husband, a professor, a mentor. Bro, I'm forgetting some things. Shoot. Oh, I got you. Um, and one of the mem- and a member of one of the most illustrious fraternities that exists. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. No, no, we didn't. I was like, no, nah, Donovan's <laughs> not a Q. <laughs> But anyways, I'm excited to introduce <laughs> Pop Call Parent to my homeboy, Donovan Livingston. Donovan, welcome. What's good? What's good, family? My fellow Padawans, Padawan Pippin, living in the pandemic. What's good, Joe? It's your boy, Donovan D-Live. Hey, Nils, thank you. Shannon, thank you. Mark, thank you. Five Beta Sigma all day. Go mob. I see you. I see you, my brother. Um, it's a pleasure to be it's it's really, it really is a pleasure to kick it with y'all today, man. Who needs a birthday text when you're one with the force? You feel me? So I I, I appreciate, appreciate the love, homie. Appreciate right. you carving out of space. Let's get back to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so Donovan, we're excited to have you here in, in the pop cult, man. Like look, look, long time coming. The pop cuts existed for a minute, but we had to wait till a very special episode to, to have you. No, no, no. Y'all got me in right on time, bro. I appreciate it. Nah, man. I'm and, excited. Excited to have you here today, man. And I'm sure Shannon is happy for the first time we've ever had an episode <laughs> where he was not the lone <laughs> Sigma. <laughs> Can't have one my man outnumbered. One Can't. of us. <laughs> Can't have my man outnumbered in these streets, man. I see you, bro. We are talking about Star Wars and New Hope, which this year will turn 45, the big four or five, may the fourth be with you. I mean, what can I say? It is one of the most iconic movies of all time. Very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. We're going to get right into it. Nels, you got a little bit of history, and then, you know, we'll just get into this thing. All right. So I'm assuming if you're a member of the pop cult, you've heard of Star Wars. Uh, but the first Star Wars movie, not like episode one, I'm talking like the first one that was ever made, uh, was in 1977. It is now known as A New Hope, uh, but this 1977 film that is celebrating its 45 years of existence 
was directed by George Lucas. And it is, you, if you all have heard the Back to the Future episode, the first question I ask folks is, have you seen Back to the Future? And the second and third question I asked them, once they've said, yes, they've seen Back to the Future, or no, if they haven't seen Back to the Future, is, have you seen Star Wars and Godfather? Those are my stream of questions because Star Wars by far is one of the most influential and by far one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. Star Wars made $550 million in its original run. That is not including inflation. I'm talking 550, 1977 buckaroonies. It was a lot of money, a lot of money. It was the highest grossing film of all time. And the only thing that beat it was Steven Spielberg. And so his George Lucas's best friend was the only reason um, that around that time he didn't have the highest grossing film. Do y'all know what, what beat it? Oh, Jaws. No. Jaws. Star Wars actually beat Jaws. Oh, man. My fault. So what movie beat Star Wars? Yes. Uh, a Steven Spielberg movie. It wasn't huh? E.T., was it? It and was Jurassic- Shannon Smith. Oh. It was E.T. E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home. Good job. It was E.T. E.T. beat Star Wars for highest grossing. And then, you know. Obviously, a whole bunch of other stuff came out. You know, you know, George was salty. He's like, "Oh, Stephen, can I talk to you for a second? You yes. made an alien movie, and I made an alien movie, and what's what's up with that, Stephen?" <laughs> There's a lot of things about Star Wars, but like, and I'm we're gonna give a lot of credit and props to George Lucas, but there is also one other person. There's a lot of people, but like, I I need to give homage to one other person, and that is John Williams. John Williams did the score for yes. Star Wars. And you may or may not know the name, but you know what the brother has done. He has also done the score for Jurassic Park, for Superman, for all the Harry Potter movies, for Jaws, and so much more. Those are the ones off the top of the dome. It pretty much, the way the Academy Award operates is when John Williams does a score for a movie, they're like, all right, so he's winning the Oscar for this. What's next? Go ahead, Mark. What were you gonna say? My for a second, I thought I was like, "Is Nels really gonna list every movie that's ever created?" <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for all that. Dog. <laughs> yes, like any any historic movie where you have heard a sound and like, man, that's dope. John Williams probably made it. And Star Wars has won seven Academy Awards. There's not a lot of sci-fi movies out here that have won seven Academy Awards, but Star Wars is one of them. And before I I wrap up, uh, I just need to name a couple of things that Star Wars has gave us. I've mentioned a few times, it's one of the most influential movies. A couple of things you should know of Star Wars that it has bestowed upon us in nerdom. One is Harrison Ford. Dark Vader. You probably know who Dark Vader is. You may even know Dark Vader more than you know Star Wars. Dark Vader is ranked the third greatest villain of all time, of all movies ever. He is ranked number three of all time. And if you're wondering what is the number one movie score of all time ranked? Star Wars. Star Wars is number one. If you're wondering what the second greatest sci-fi movie is ranked? Star Wars. Star Wars is the second greatest, according to this list, movie of all time. It also gave us The Force, 
It gave us lightsabers. It gave us space ninjas or Jedis, whatever you want to call it. It gave us the Mandalorian, probably your favorite TV show out right now. It gave us Wookiees. And it also gave us one of the most influential companies, Industrial Light and Magic. The people who I consider straight up made special effects. Like when you think about special effects in movies, you think about Industrial Light and Magic and they pretty much cut their teeth in Star Wars. I will stop there because I could go on, but Star Wars was a super, super influential movie. Gentlemen, I have questions for you all, but are there any reactions to any of the history that I shared about Star Wars? I mean, gosh, can I just propose one thing, fellas? I think it's going to be safe to say, spoiler, you know, warning, we're going to we're talking about a new hope, but like I feel like all Star Wars movies are fair game. They've been out for a while now. <laughs> yeah. But I would ask, you know, my fellow co-hosts, maybe we don't spoil any TV shows or anything, any anything outside of the movie canon. What do y'all think? I can get with that. I can okay. Get with that. All right. Yeah. Man, I mean, Nels, you you real quick, you said about like the the music. I tell you what, one of my favorite things about Star Wars is the music and the sound design. I could literally listen to all these soundtracks. They're, they're my go-to study soundtracks or uh, study music. Whenever I'm like studying for something or just kind of focus on work, I put on, uh, I find a random Star Wars <laughs> album and put that on. But um, you're talking about the lightsaber? The lightsaber, I think I said this in the Back to the Future episode, that might be the most iconic sound effect of all time. <laughs> I don't know if i can think of another sound effect that like you could just go anywhere and people know exactly what that is i mean it's competition yeah. is dark vader's breathing like <laughs> it's gonna be from star wars uh, you don't even have to see it like when you hear that sound your eyes can be closed and you know okay the, okay they just they just turned it on and then the rest of it, okay, that's that's where it extended. And now it's, yeah, you don't even have to see it, but you know, okay, this is what's happening just by the sounds. Bruh, I got a lightsaber app on my phone that all it does is unsheath and and just like you shake the phone and it lights up. And it, it was one of Joy's favorite first apps that I played with. That was her first game on my phone, bruh. So I feel you. I feel you. The sound is undeniable. I'd also add the sort of visual aesthetic is incredibly stunning, right? So, Niels, you were talking about the special effects. I just think about how they're able to create so many different theaters of battle. You know, you talk about Hoth, like a snowy a snowy plane. You talk about places like Scarif that are tropical, right? You talk about all of these, like, individual planets and systems throughout the universe, and it's like, you're stepping into a new world every time. And, and in my head, I'm like, how are you able to imagine all of these different terrains that encompass so much of what we can wrap our minds around, but there's still so much imagination that it's just, it's just undeniable, bro. I, I just, I, I'm here for it. I, I'm, I'm always looking for where are they fighting next? One thing that Star Wars did that no other sci-fi did before it, sci-fi before Star Wars was very sheen, very clean, very like art deco futurist, you know, like a very Flash Gordon or or Star Trek. But Star Wars was like a lived in world. It was grimy. Ships had like dirt on them and scratches on them. The world looked like things didn't work. 
the droids look like they came from Sanford and Sons junkyard, you know, and it's like that wasn't seen before. Like it, people are like, yo, what? And it just but, gave the world texture, you know, Mark. We got to talk about <laughs> Sanford and Son Junkyard because that's where my mind is right reference. now. <laughs> All I can think about is, is Sanford and his son literally building droids <laughs> for the universe. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't stand it. I ain't going to make it. You hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. Rich. Oh, God. Okay, thank you. Just for function in France, Stanford to hit it. You big dummy. <laughs> you big dummy. My one, if there's any grip I have with a new hope, the word sand people is like very racist sound. Yes. And he like yes. damn sand people. He's like, pop, come on, man. They don't even speak the same language. It's just <laughs> it was very, very clear who you was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just bleep out sand people, bruh. Like Star Wars, it was so amazing. Like the first movie, you saw all these different cultures and all these different worlds. Like uh, Princess Leia, Alderaan is very different than where Luke's from. Very different Tatooine, and and as you get, you know, the um the Dungan, Dun not the Dungans. Oh my God, not the Dungans. That's Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, I don't want to say Sand people, but the, the the Sand people. I forget what their real name is. Yeah, but just like their whole aesthetic and and being in the desert is just like it, it's like wow. So this isn't just Star Trek where it's like space. And I get it, Star Trek. They went to different planets and stuff, but it just felt like space world. This mm -hmm. is this is space Georgia, and we're going to go to space New York, and this is space Vegas. You know, but like Star Wars just felt like it was all these different countries. And, and culture is kind of like, if I mean, it feels very bebop, <laughs> you know, like bebop came many years later, but it feels very like cowboy bebop, where it was just this like lived in, grungy, almost Western type place. But it's a fantasy. That's the crazy yeah. thing about it. It's a fantasy world. It's almost like it, communicating in the Star Wars universe is almost a gift, right? You, you I'm thinking specifically in A New Hope where, we are introduced to Jabba the Hutt and Han is talking to him and they're walking in circles around each other and Jabba's putting all these threats on his life, but Jabba never breaks his his cultural dialect, right? And in the same vein, Han is communicating with him in English and they're having this dialogue back and forth. Really a tense moment, but it's almost like there's no barrier between the two because everyone's connected in this powerful way. Or, you know, Java was just trying to intimidate, but he's like, I ain't even gonna speak to you in the language you can understand. <laughs> and then Han calls him a human being. Yeah, Han that calls was, him a <laughs> the best human being I know. Java, you're a wonderful human being. Basca. <laughs> like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> All righty, see y'all. We 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 going full speed in. So let's 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 talk about Star Wars, y'all. So the first question I have for you all is your favorite character. And look, I know the premise of this episode is around a new hope, but Star Wars is huge. So with this question, just think about Star Wars, the universe in general. And who is your favorite character? And, and if not your favorite, then the one that interests you the most. And I will start. Um, because this is another one of the foundational pieces of me and Mark's friendship. 
So my favorite character in Star Wars of all time is the coolest black man in space, Lando Calrissian. And why is Lando my favorite character in Star Wars? Because he is the coolest black man in space. Because if you remember, in almost every episode of Pop Cult Parent, I tell you, if you add space to literally anything, it makes it better. So imagine when you add space to a black man, it makes a great black Billy man. D. Williams. Space. <laughs> Billy D. Williams. Space. You Billy had D. space <laughs> to Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams was selling malt liquor in the 80s with swag and everybody bought it. I don't claim you can have a better time with Colt 45 than without it. But why take chances? The power of Colt 45. Billy D. and space? Bruh. The coolest black man in space. Lando Calrissian. And you know what? I don't even really remember what he did after <laughs> after the second Star Wars movie. And frankly, I don't care because all he did was all I needed him to do, which is be the coolest black man in space. Needless to say, that is my favorite character of yeah. all times in Star Wars. Yeah, Billy D. Williams is otherworldly on planet Earth. It's mm -hmm. and to add the Afrofuturistic element of putting him in space just takes it up a whole nother level, bro. So I feel you. My my nice. my my. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like not not only not only did every woman on Earth want him, then it's like okay, now you got women in other galaxies, and you know, not even human women, you know, aliens or whatever. Now they want you too. It's like okay, we get it. <laughs> this is a another uh, a black character. This is a black woman. There's not enough black women in the Star Wars universe. I'm gonna just put that out there right now. Just make that clear. But uh, it's a character portrayed by Tandy Newton, um, Val. She was in the uh, a Star Wars story. It's not a canonical uh, film, but it was in it was in Solo, and uh, her character was sort of fashioned after like Angela Davis. She was like this criminal working with this organization, but very much she took in a an oppositional stance to those in power, and I really really appreciated that. And like you know, and I don't want to spoil anything, but she's not a character that necessarily makes it to the end. And for me, you know, I felt like we were cheated out of an experience of learning about a character who is seldom, who represents a group of people who are seldom reflected in the universe. And so she's somebody I definitely want to know more about, know more about her backstory, how she came to be, but straight up and, and similar to you, Nils, I, I just want to know more about what made her, who she was and why she was so oppositionally defiant in a way that was powerful. Before the book of Boba Fett, I think it would have been Boba Fett because I'm like, like, yo, this dude, I need to know more about you. And it seems like we saw you for like part of a movie. Like that's what it felt like. Like you were in part of the movie and we never saw you again because of, you know, your demise there. And after seeing the book of Boba Fett, taking nothing away from him, but now I'm like, okay, I know more about your story. I would probably say Finn. Uh, and I know that's like, that's like an album, but I just say fan because to me, I think that's, that's another missed opportunity. I, it's like, we can clearly see it in the movie, but it, it also, it's a character where we see, look, some real world stuff ended up going into this. And this is why we got the character we got, because I, I feel like he was supposed to be a black Jedi with the powers of the force, like in my opinion, maybe not a black Luke Skywalker, but close enough. He was supposed to be something like that. And then, you know, we see some some stuff outside that they were like, say they what? go haunt him. They did. They did. Yes. They go haunt him. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so I'll say that's, that's a character. I mean, I like him in the movies, but then I also see that 
it was one where there were some missed opportunities. And it's just, again, that sort of reflection of, yes, this is a fantasy world, but look at some of this real world stuff that came into play. You know, it makes me think of like Cyborg or something from Justice League. It's like, you were supposed to be something different, but look what these outside things did in real life. Could, could, could I say something about Boba Fett real quick? I really appreciate you for bringing him yeah. up, Shannon. So I had a Nintendo 64 in the, the Christmas of 96. One of the first games I got was Shadows of the Empire. It was like a Dash Rendar was the main character and was all of these like tertiary figures in the Star Wars world centered around like um, uh, episode five, um, Empire Strikes Back, right? And so I hadn't seen all of the films. All I seen at this point was New Hope. So I didn't know about Return of the Jedi and what happens to Boba Fett, but I could never get past the Boba Fett level because he was just that nice, bruh. He was like shooting his blasters and with his jetpack, and he would he would kill me every time. Every time. Like Lion King on Super Nintendo difficulty. Yes, exactly like oh, that. Oh man. <laughs> Exactly. It was, it was, imp- I had to call like my friends from down the street to beat the level for me so I could keep playing the game. When I got to actual Return of the Jedi and saw how quickly like he just succumbed in that battle, and I was like, bruh, I- <laughs> <laughs> where was this? Where was yeah. this when I had the Rumble Pack in the, you know what I'm saying? Collective for everybody, because especially after his performance in Empire, you're like, oh man, Darth Vader, no disintegration. He's like, as you wish. <laughs> You are free to use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. No disintegrations. As you wish. You're like, oh, <laughs> damn. You yeah. this dude is like, like, that's a bad man. <laughs> and, uh-huh. then, and then, Boba Fett, where? Ah! And he just like falls into the, the Sarlacc pit. I couldn't even see, bruh. You're like, bruh. <laughs> Collective bruh all over, yeah. all over the planet. When I was a kid, I had two favorite characters. It was Luke and r2d2 i had an unhealthy obsession with robots dog late 80s early 90s you put a robot in your movie you had me you get it hold on mark i don't want to interrupt you did you say had as in you no longer have (laughs) well they gotta be giant robots now (laughs) that's the difference Uh, now they're giant robots okay (laughs) but any type of robot back in the day you had me i was like "Ooh, what's this (laughs) chopping mall Terminator and I had no business watching Robocop ruined me ruined me my my thirstiness for robots destroyed my childhood <laughs> my favorite characters I think now it, it's got it's Kylo Ren Ahsoka and Captain Rex and I really I'm gonna just talk about Ahsoka because when she was first introduced in the Star Wars I was disgusted I was like what is this her her introduction is so cringe dog she is such a cringe like she seems like a studio edition like we need to get girls in star wars and we need to get young kids in star wars and she's like hey guys it's me ahsoka mm, 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 i'm the new jedi you know just that like kind of like stupid kid attitude but her character development through clone wars and other maybe Star Wars properties that I'm not gonna name right now has made her a fan favorite and she's one of my like favorites and the fact that she's got a show coming out that I don't know how they're gonna jump people into that show there's a lot of stuff that's happened between Clone Wars that if you haven't seen it I don't know how you're gonna jump into this Oka show but I'm interested to see how they make that work but um I'll tell you how Rosario Dawson (laughs) yeah that's it they're just like 
if you don't get in, you'll fit in. You'll, we got, you'll figure we it got, out. We got Rosario Dawson. Miss Dawson out. will get you in there. But um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, like, and and I'll even say Anakin. Clone Wars has made me an Anakin Skywalker fan. Hayden Christensen, you know, broad tried. There's a lot of trying. <laughs> you know, it's pretty clear that George is not a actor's director, <laughs> but uh. It, the 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 interpretation of him in the Clone Wars series has made him one of my favorite characters. Also, we talked about some of our favorite characters. Again, one of the most influential movies. I'm curious, what are some of y'all's favorite scenes and quotes uh, from A New Hope? I I shared a little bit about mine about being a learner and now being the master. Before we saw a duel that didn't age well. I'll just name. <laughs> Like it did not age well. I'm gonna push back but, on that. But go ahead. I'm gonna push back but, on that. And I'll and I'll and I'll say this because I saw there's like if you go on YouTube, someone redid the the fight between Obi Wan and Darth Vader, and they made that sucker look so epic. Uh, if y'all haven't seen it, y'all like need to watch it. They're like getting it in. They're like using force. Stuff's going in. There's explosions. Dark's a badass. Like it is dope and it has like fully made my imagination love that battle even more i feel you it 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 hasn't aged as gracefully as other star wars moments but like you can you can say like these this is master and student they're both in their older age i think obi-wan's an octogenarian uh darth vader's a robot what 50 year old maybe <laughs> but i do like obi-wan's kind of like a a, a a jerk in that fight He's calling him Darth. He's like, you'll never, you'll never defeat me, Darth. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of, I like it. I like it. It's very like, you, especially if you've seen the prequels, it's like Obi-Wan has got to this point. He knows he's going to like become one with the force. So this is all just whatever. He's just kind of like testing the waters to see how strong Vader is. So I don't know. I personally, I get what you're saying, but I, I still think it works with some of the new stuff that is uh, new, the prequels that come before it. I just got to say my favorite Star Wars moment in like all the movies, most of the TV shows, but we're not talking about the TV shows. It is maybe eight seconds long and it is Rogue One when Darth Vader shows up and causes havoc. at his most badass moment on a movie screen. And I got everything I wanted in those eight seconds. And to this day, to this day, it is still one of my favorite all-time Star Wars moments. You know, I that, that brings up a great point. It, Anakin slash Darth Vader is my wife's favorite character. He just embodies rage in a beautiful way and in a relatable way for for some people as well. But I think one of the things that really, uh, it's a build off your, your point, Nails. There's a, the, the last scene in Rogue One leading up to the first scene in New Hope really like brought me to tears in a lot of ways because you don't know you know the Death Star is the Death Star and you know what it's capable of but you never really see the weapon from that point of view 
of being on the the system that's being, you know, attacked, right? And so, you know, Rogue One did a great job of helping folks fall in love with these tertiary characters in the Star Wars universe. You see the rage invader, but you also feel the humanity in the moment when Scarif goes up and the the rebels get the the plans to Princess Leia leading right up to that CGI Carrie Fisher, you know what I'm saying? It was ready to roll, right? And it's just like, it was a beautiful tethering of like the past and the present, right? But I think for me, when I was looking, when I watched New Hope again recently, because I knew we'd be having this conversation, one of the scenes that stood out to me this time was uh, on Tatooine when Luke and Obi-Wan are getting ready to head to Mars Eisley and Luke is on the, the fence about whether to make that move and join the rebellion. He was like, Luke said, I can't get involved. I have to work. And I thought about what it means to be revolution doesn't often come at a time of convenience right at a moment of convenience for for folks you you get involved because you know it's the right thing to do you pick up you use your voice you speak up you speak out because the moment is is now right and i think luke in that moment goes through all of the emotions of disappointing his aunt and uncle leaving behind is a place that's familiar doing something that he feels he's not ready for and i think about how that so so seamlessly connects to what a lot of folks are feeling or have been feeling since the summer of 2020, right? It's now my time to speak up. It's now the time to join the fight. And like, it's one of those moments where Star Wars became for me more than a movie and very much reflective of what, what we experience in this, in this life, you know? For what you just said is the reason why I love Rogue One so much. Mm. You could pretty much sum up Rogue One to be like, Yo, you got to get off your ass and do something. Exactly. And sometimes you got to break rules, but you got to give a crap. You know, you got to give a crap. You got to get out there and and you may not win. You might lose. But like you just getting out there and, and sparking hope, sparking a rebellion. Rebellions were built on hope. Sorry. <laughs> yes. No, bro, yeah. that's what it's about. <laughs> you know, that could that could start something. So like definitely like like that that's a that's a really dope moment that you're talking about right there. That was definitely one of the ones as well. And and I was thinking, you know, sort of piggybacking off of that just insane, yeah, when he's like, I can't go out, like I've got work to do. Had he made that decision to let's say, like, I am gonna stay here and like do chores and and whatever it is, stuff like that, how how so much of this would not have happened or or it wouldn't have swung in this direction, you know, the 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 amount of impact that one person can have. So that was so definitely mentioning that, but I'll but I'll say one of my scenes uh in addition to that. So there's this scene where Darth Vader is in the, I don't know what they would call it, like their boardroom basically, uh, you know, with with the guys. And so I feel like I have never heard someone just really like talk smack to Darth Vader like to his face like yeah people might say you know he's evil and needs to be stopped and this and that but nobody will say that in his presence like man shut up talking you know whatever so like when dude said don't try to frighten us with an old religion you still hold on to I and then uh you know he's just like i'm like bro he's going in on darth and then all of a sudden darth vader is like your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes are giving you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you wish. I find your, la your lack of faith disturbing. Like, that is one of my favorite parts, because then 
Like, dude has talked all this junk to his face, and then he was like, he chokes him without even touching him. He's like, I find your lack of faith disturbing. So to me, that's just one of my favorite parts because, again, I'm like, I have never, that I can remember, someone actually said something to Darth Vader, you know, outside of, I'm going to stop you or, you know, something like that. But someone just really like, man, shut up, talking stupid. Like, that's basically what he said. Man, shut up. And, and, Darth Vader and, and I will out. say they have been trying to capture that moment <laughs> over and over again since because that moment was so dope that they have been like, I think, what was it? The uh, don't choke on your aspiration. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Dropping yep. his yep. puns. He's like, I gotta yes. just pick up this pun, Senator. Like, <laughs> well, no, They've know, been Shana, trying to capture that sucker ever since. Yes. Shana, I love that line. He's like, your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data plans, blah, blah, blah. And, and Darth is like, your lack of faith is disturbing. And then it's, it's funny because when you watch that scene, everyone else is like, oh, shit. He can do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, like <laughs> you don't know the extent to which what the force can do, right? You hear mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and the Jedi talking about how the force is a, a power for good. And meanwhile, and, you and see then, another side to it. And then there's this scene, I think it's a new hope when when Vader chokes the guy through the, the monitor. And so oh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's choking, and then he's, the other guy kind of just steps up, and the guy's still choking in the back. Yes, that was definitely Empire when he choked my man okay. on the Jumbotron. <laughs> on the Jumbotron, just and then passed out, and it's like, you up, bro? Yeah, you you are now promoted. He's like, oh, thank you, Lord Vader. The guy, the guy's just like on the ground. He's like, <laughs> my favorite moments, man. Uh, it's funny. A lot of my favorite moments in Star Wars are accompanied John Williams' score. So. From a new hope, one of my like has always stuck with me when when Luke is looking at the um the two sun sunset um when he when he asks uh Uncle Owen if he can join the uh, the academy and he's like next year Luke and he gets out and he just looks at the two sun setting and then that John Williams score comes in I was like man this, that's Star Wars right there. You know the can and i'm trying to concentrate on new hope at first so like the cantina scene like classic man parodies so much you know we don't serve their kind your droids and and then just all the different aliens the the band the the werewolf costume the famous werewolf costume that's that's in that that scene we meet han solo and greedo man as a kid i really loved the last siege on the death star and return of the jedi because uh, it was it was nice to see the um, the Millennium Falcon dogfighting, you know. I mean, we got a little bit of that, um, but like see it dogfighting, and I just love the space battles. That was one of my favorite moments of all time in Star Wars. But no, the Vader Rogue One scene, like I just remember really enjoying Rogue One, and then when that when when it's dark and you hear that. It, no, I, I collectively in the theater, people are like, oh, oh, and then the red lightsaber comes out of the darkness. Yo, my, it went nuts, dog. It went nuts. And you're, you're seeing a man murder people, like, like, mercilessly, like, tear people apart. And we're like, yeah, yeah, get Lifted <laughs> someone up with the force and then sliced them in half and didn't look back. He just kept going forward. <laughs> 
<laughs> Yo, I was like, what's wrong with this man? He is evil. Evil, I say. The, the, oh, my the, goodness. The part that really sells that moment is when the dude's like, he kicked at the door. He's like, help us. <laughs> I was scared too. I was like, yo, if I was a dude on the other side, I was like, there is no way in hell I'm opening this door. I don't want those problems. No. Oh my goodness. Okay, now it's me versus 10 of y'all. Like, okay, now you in trouble. Now you're in trouble. (laughs) What? I really enjoyed the pod racing scene because all that scene is is sound design. I mean, it's special effects, but it's all sound design. There's no music, I think, to like the last like minute of it and sound design is one of my favorite things about star wars i love how the ship sound the droids sound the speeders it's always different and unique and then the darth maul appearance at the end of phantom menace with duel of fates which might be the second best star wars song ever created but man scene such a good fight um him when him and obi-wan go at it towards the end just like very good saber uh choreography very awesome i mean i think imperial march might be the best that that that, that'll do it for me that's at the top of my soundtrack list bro (laughs) (laughs) hands down we've been talking a little bit about the movies um we talked a little bit about the shows too but you know it wouldn't be pop cult parent unless we ask a really difficult question so the question I'm asking is this. What is your favorite all-time Star Wars movie? We are, of course, kind of staying away from the TV show, so I won't ask what's your like favorite episode of a TV show or what's your favorite TV show in general. We know Mark's going to say. Actually, I don't know what Mark's going to say, so I'll stop there. I can assume you're going to say Clone Wars. You, so what? that's what my assumption <laughs> is if you said TV what? shows. <laughs> I got to hit that Darth Vader. What? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, maybe not. Um, but movie-wise, what is your favorite movie of all time and why? Donovan, as our guest, we'd love for you to go first. Yeah, bro. Um, I'm a huge episode two and three fan. All right. And now now walk with me for a second. Episode two is dope because it sort of plants the seed that like the Jedi, the custodians of the galaxy don't necessarily got all their ducks in a row. They don't know everything. People have been getting stuff over on them for a while with this clone army being created. And there's it's the first time you realize there's dissension in the ranks. The first film alludes to like the end of this religion and you know the general on the Death Star telling Darth Vader he's the last of, of a dying religion. You're the last of your kind, right? And so episode two is when that seed really gets planted and I'm really into storytelling and that you know, I I really like Camino was spooky, but like in a way that was, it just drew me in, bruh. So episode two, episode three, because until Rogue One, it was the thing that set you up for four, right? And so there's a scene when they're fighting on, uh, I forgot the name of the, the molten lava planet or whatever, but you see, you see Obi-Wan, you see Anakin. Lucifer. Fu- Musafar, thank you. You see them floating around on their little droids with they, you know, with 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 their well choreographed lightsaber battle, and it's just Obi Wan did something he didn't want to do but had to do, and dismembering his uh his his apprentice, right? He had and the so, high ground. He had the high ground, <laughs> bro. And like, 
in that moment, to go back to the points that we made earlier about special effects, it's just like you always, in the back of my mind as a kid, I always wonder how Darth Vader ended up like he ended up. It just made me feel like it was a, a piece of closure, right? So two and three gave me that thing I was looking for. We talked about Rogue One. Rogue One, for nostalgic reasons, sort of filled that gap in a beautiful way. But um, but yeah, man, it, it's two and three for me. Hopefully that's not too out, outside the box, but two and three sort of... Um, uh, sort of uh, filled a void in my Star Wars heart um, that I was really looking for at that time, man. So first, I'll start off with. So Star Wars has been it's it it's been odd for me because I have enjoyed it. I have seen like like and and I and I'll admit I haven't seen every single movie. I, I feel like, but there's been and there's been gaps, which is which has been weird because like like as I've seen most pretty much about all the movies, just about there ends up being this gap of like, okay, I saw this one. Then finally some years later, I saw this one. And so, and so I feel like the way it is in my head, I, I've never been able to like, just really connect all the things to be like, oh yeah, because this is why this easily connects to, you know, the episode two and why this, this thing that happens in episode five makes so much sense, you know? And so, so, uh, so obviously, you know, great, but I'll say even in seeing them, I'm like rogue one to, to me, rogue one. And so I, and, and again, I preface all of that because I know that there could be some of you're like, well, you know, if you're really going the whole story, it might be something else. But for me, I say Rogue One, yes, because of the level of action and all those things. But then the uh, the way it, as we mentioned, like feels, you know, feels this void. And it just shows you this whole other, this whole other piece where as they're doing the battle, I feel like especially in the end, and we basically sort of mentioned this when you know finally when everything is said and done you're like yo this is how star wars starts or or you know if you're thinking about the the first one that you know that, that we actually see came out in 77 you're like this is how it all starts you know and so i uh i'll say rogue one is my favorite favorite movie this is it's so hard man this is so just hard answer the me. question mark look, just answer look, the question I, 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 <laughs> I don't have one i just don't I just don't. I can't. I don't. I'm sorry, Nels. I this is one of my favorite franchises of all time. I would have to say, uh, if I had to pin it down, it's gonna be between Empire and uh, Force Awakens. Empire, like you know, you meet Yoda, Luke's training to be a Jedi. You know, the the big twist, the big Vader father twist, and the lightsaber battles between Vader and Luke are like like a lot more exciting than the one between obi-wan and vader um you know the the whole you know the introducing of the atats uh on hoth you know and the snow speeder uh scene it, you know it, it's just like it was really it, it's empire did what sequels are supposed to do you're supposed to take the source material take everything from the first movie and elevate it and make it grow and not just repeat what you know the first one did Force Awakens, you know, we get it. The jokes have been made. It was like pretty much a new hope, but 30 years later. But you know what? That movie did what it needed to do. It was a new hope. It Not a new hope, I'm sorry. It, but it was a new hope for a lot of fans that were like, there wasn't a lot of like trust in this franchise uh, before Force, Force Awakens. Like people were, Donovan, I know you, you know, you said you right. liked two and three, but like <laughs> it left a lot of bad taste in in yeah, people's yeah. mouths and so when that movie came out and you saw what jj had planned and you saw like he had actual sets and actual 
props and puppets and it wasn't just a blue screen movie is people like yo star wars is back and so force awakens did for me i'll never forget and that's why it's one of my favorites but it's probably down to those two and if i had to you know gun to my head empire is probably my favorite star wars movie oh yeah if i could make a case for force awakens so there's this there's this there's this sort of underlying thing that isn't said but felt in force awakens where you realize the force isn't just something that belongs to the skywalkers and i think for so long you see that their 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 deftness in their ability to maneuver and manipulate the force seems so strong with that particular family the fact that another person that's not connected to the skywalkers at all can wield it in the way that ray does or finn does later on in the newer in the newer films it's like oh it's like a democratization of the force like i can have a piece of this power too and i think that's that's the thing that i think is lost in the original films it's like the force belongs to everybody although we don't really see it because we spend so much time focused on the skywalker family and how the force is sort of torn their family apart and brought it back together but it really belongs to all of us. And so that's one of the things the newer films does that I think the originals don't. Um, but I'm still holding yeah. on to my, my two and three though, bruh. I ain't going no. nowhere on that. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, it's funny. The originals kind of do something. What I mean, but it, was, it wasn't a trope back then. But what I, I don't like the chosen one mm-hmm. trope. You know, I really don't like, oh, he's special because he has special blood or his daddy was this or his mommy was this. Or you that's got what, this many midi Yeah, right? you know, <laughs> that's why Peter Parker is my favorite superhero because he was just some kid. But, you know, got, you know, Ryan Johnson, he tried. He really tried to to follow that thread that like, hey, there's there's other force with the forces, the force. You don't have to be a Skywalker or this and that. You could just be a force wielder but the internet hated him for it <laughs> and they're like no we want special blood and we want skywalker lineage and you know but but the the tv shows really do touch on that how like there's force wielders there's force wielders that aren't jedi or sith you know they just know how to use the force so like now i think disney's really touching on that that base the last question i have for y'all is a big question, which is how has Star Wars affected how you watch movies, TV shows, how you engage with pop culture in general? And like, I would love to start off because we got to talk about the Empire Strikes Back. Like, I don't, I in in all of my pop cultureness, I don't know if there was a sequel to a movie that has left such a testament in all of movie watching, like the Empire Strike Back. Like, just a couple things to remind you all. In the Empire Strike Back, this is what, I don't remember when Empire Strike Back, 1981 or something? 1981, in the early 80s, just imagine this. Like, all folks had was a 1977 movie and a whole bunch of folklore and toys (laughs) for four years. And the next time they sit and watch a movie, the good guys lose the good guy the main character gets his arm chopped off and two the most biggest badass you've ever seen in movie history turns out to be the dad of the main character that all happened in the same movie and this the the it has yet to be replicated to that deafness like everybody has been trying in some way shape or form to catch lightning in the bottle because that 
laid the cement of like, you have to come hard with sequels. Like you have to come hard. And I don't know if anyone has ever came as hard as the Empire Strikes Back. Like it is, you really have to think about, we watch it now we're like, oh, this is dope. But like, can you imagine sitting in a movie theater in 1981 and seeing this all happen all at the same time? And the coolest black man in space was in that movie. Like I just, yeah, I think the Empire Strikes Back I think we are still feeling the effects of how epic that movie was and that movie as a sequel was in all of Hollywood and everything. Nels, what you said about Empire is spot on. Like every franchise tries to have their Empire strike back. It don't matter if they have four movies, six, seven, every franchise tries to have their Empire moment. TV shows try to have their Empire moment. Avatar. A lot of Star Wars and Avatar. Season two of Avatar is basically Empire Strikes Back. And, and it's like, yeah, it's like they, they set a foundation there that it, it works. It's, it's nice. It's nice to see your, your heroes hanging and it brings you in next time. And it, it happens a lot. So, yeah, I don't know if anyone has done it as well since, but they definitely set the bar for that sequel storytelling. I, I really like stories that don't have happy endings. Um Life isn't that neat and clean cut. And so five, it makes sense why five, I mean, five, I mean, episode five, Empire Strikes Back is is dope. And I, I for all the reasons, Mark and Niels, you both mentioned, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I think for me, one of the things that Star Wars compels me to think about or like look for um, in other films or how, how it's informed the way I watch films, I just think art reflects society in the time in which we live. And I think in each era, Star Wars has captured the fragility of democracy and how easy it is for people to be on two sides of of a of of an of a issue. Um, folks working toward a, a common goal, a goal that seems to be common, but we have different paths pathways of getting there. And so you see that friction w- within the Jedi, right? You see Anakin coming in, wanting to you know do things that were um, antithetical to what the council wanted in episodes one through three, right? They wanted him to, to wait his turn. Um, and a lot of times, you know, democracies also don't work that clear cut, right? Like people, people to your point, Neil's about uh, a hero's journey. There's space for everyone in a movement, um, especially in a movement toward something good that brings people together across difference, right? And so I think about, um, Uh, how Star Wars sort of compels me to think critically when I'm watching a film it's like yes I'm enjoying this this is a a wonderful source of entertainment but at the same time what real life scenario could this be paired with right like in what ways is the artist the director the actors trying to get you to think differently about something that you experience in your day-to-day experience so when you you know take to the streets and protest of something when you go to work every single day, it's like, what is the bigger thing we are working toward? And I think Star Wars has always compelled me to ask that question when I sit down and consume a film um, in a way that's both meant to be entertainment, but also intended to get you to think about um, the life in which you're, you're walking through. And I think we can all agree. We're thinking about Wookiees. Uh, (laughs) We're just thinking about Wookiees. Yes. Thanks for entertaining me. <laughs> I'm like thinking and I'm like like really really taking that in and, and thinking about it as as we're saying in yeah Empire Strikes Back like an ale was caught <laughs> like and and, yes. and it's just and it's just so interesting because yes. I'm like why are movies so <laughs> like, like why are movies so scared to do that because especially I mean if we're reflecting real life or or whatever I'm like 
we catch L's, I mean, maybe not every day, but but we catch them. And I know sometimes, you know, it, it's like the power of positive thinking. We're like, well, I didn't, I didn't lose here. I just, I just have another option I have to explore. It's like, no, you lost, you failed at this. But you know, there there's still a way that we can go forward. And and it's like, but you do have to admit you lost here. And you know, how do how do you go forward and do things like that? So it just makes me really, really think I'm like that was that was great that they that they did that because again you know reflecting real life like yes we catch L's it's not just we had a tough struggle and still came out it's like no we caught an L here and we had to regroup do a whole different thing uh and and again yeah I, for me I can only think of like a couple of movies who did that and and still I don't think any is great to the extent that the Empire Strikes Back but I'm like I mean, you know, I don't know. I think of like Avengers, you know, uh, you know, between Endgame and, you know, and um, Infinity War. Yeah, and Infinity War. And even then, I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, they did catch an L. And then, yeah, next one, okay, you know, came back and everything. And outside of that, I can't really think of anywhere it was like definitively you called an L versus, oh, yeah, it was a tough battle and you lost some people and you still won. Like, you know, yeah, Infinity I, War, to your point, Shannon, is probably the closest one. Mm-hmm. And they needed what 12, 20, however many movies and 10, 10 years. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to do something as close as Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Too. I mean, they did a damn good job. I mean, mm-hmm. we love them, but like we they, kept they, had, they had to do a lot to get to that mm-hmm. point. For me, another thing that comes to mind is all of the different mediums for which it exists. Like, yes, we have the movies. Then we have like solid books and then we have, I mean, you know, maybe just like magazine related things. Then we've got video games. Then we've got toys. Then we've got just elements of it appearing in all types of movies that have nothing to do with Star Wars, you know? And and I'm like, of course, sure. Maybe outside of some, maybe some superhero movies. And once again, they're not to the extent of Star Wars, but I'm like, I don't know if there's much of anything else that, that, touches on that many mediums has been around that long and and like i said it just exists in so many ways like every again everyone knows about star wars like little kids never seen the movie never read any of the books anything but they they have a uh, a baby yoda you know they they might just say oh i got a baby yoda toy and so you know they, they know that so they know toys is that true y'all have is there anything besides star wars and superheroes that has touched that many mediums maybe harry potter there's there's like some games and there's other side little books and amusement parks all that but but i don't know pokemon pokemon yeah yeah they they, they got moved that might be that might be star wars's (laughs) only competition Uh (laughs) batman and pokemon (laughs) sorry i just thought that was a dope point shannon i just i was trying to sit here and think like yeah i don't know what is permanent like endrenched in like all the different mediums like star wars has besides superheroes and pikachu so yeah shannon to add add to your point real quick Star Wars has been, even for me, when I was growing up, and I know for this generation, it was one of those movies that you knew all these references before you saw it. Like Godfather. Like, you know, you watch old, like, Looney Tunes, and there's, like, Casablanca references or all these, you know what I'm saying? And there's, like, Godfather, whatever. You put someone down who's never seen Star Wars, and they're like, oh, that's what that's from. That's what that Simpsons joke from. That's what that family got joke from. 
That, that's where Rick and Morty jokes from, because like this is just so embedded in all of pop culture. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like my kids, when they are ready to get into Star Wars, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's where the father thing came from. Oh, that's that Yoda. That's when, uh, I don't know, Paw Patrol did that Yoda thing, you know, and it's just, it's, it's people feed off of it. It's like a whale carcass and we're all a bunch of little sharks just <laughs> like, you know, just biting off of Star Wars here and there. But no, I think um, it, it is, it is beautiful, right? Because it, it's intergenerational. Every generation has their tr- Star Wars trilogy, right? Uh, whether it's Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, like everybody's got something that can connect them back to the universe. And because some of the films have similar tropes and, you know, sort of cadences, you can sort of see that connect connected tissue. I think for me, um, one of the things that's um, particularly resonant is that opening line in the film, seriously, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it's caused me to be more empathetic to people who are suffering and struggling in universes I can't see, right? So it's like, yes, I have a lived experience here. I, I go to work, I do X, Y, Z on a daily basis, and I'm trying to be a good steward of my relationships and the things in my own life. But at the same time, I know somebody else in another universe, another corner of the globe that I can't see, can't touch is struggling. So what am I, or what can I do about it? And it goes back to that Obi-Wan Luke conversation before Luke decides to jump in and fight. And so um, I kind of use that as like the thing that gets me going, that gets me excited to create something new, to, you know, help someone else find something that, that, that allows them to tell their story in a way that makes sense. And I just appreciate how Star Wars is like permeated different, different elements of my, my work life, my relationships, my, it, the, basically the impact I hope to have in the world and the power of storytelling. You know, I guess if I added one more thing is just the ability to create, well, I mean, I want to say create an entire world, but I mean, they didn't do that. They created like an entire universe. And, and, and again, I think the only thing in my mind that even comes somewhat close to that is uh, like, Harry Potter like where they created a whole world there and and those things but but I mean among Star Wars though they created you know entire universes and things like that which is just so when you think about it's like this person said these are ideas I have in my mind and then you know I I created this entire thing uh, which is just still wild I'm like you know sometimes you struggle being like okay what would this character do like let me create a character it's like no, no no I created entire populations of people from my mind <laughs> yeah although he yeah. did get a lot of this from doom but that's oh, uh, that's yeah. for another yeah. day that's for, <laughs> <laughs> that's for another day but you I know what knows it's it's funny you say that because i was thinking about doom before we did this podcast and i want to say star wars is the first sci-fi movie that people took seriously like from a box office standpoint and what i mean by that like dune was a serious movie but sci-fi before Star Wars was very like niche. It's very like that kind of like, oh, oh, that's something the comic book readers or those, those you know, go and see. Or it was kind of weird, you know, but Star Wars was like everyone. It don't matter if you're in the comics, sci-fi, whatever. Everyone went to go see Star Wars. And I don't know if there was a sci-fi yeah. movie mm-hmm. that did that before Star Wars. Not, not, um, not at the time, not right then and there. Maybe years later, they may have appreciated it more. But like, after, nah, Star Wars was the one that right then and there, folks 
I mean, five hundred and fifty million dollars, nineteen seventy-seven <laughs> yeah. money. That's crazy. Yeah, nineteen seventy-seven money. <laughs> yeah, and that's without inflation, right? Like, yes, that's that's that's, that's nuts. To to say you know what Star Wars has done, you know, for me and how I, it shaped me, this franchise means a lot to me. Like, it really does, man. It's gonna sound dorky, but like Star Wars has like it it helped me kind of re um get back on the like track with my own faith and it really like there's a lot of really good life lessons in star wars and star wars really made me realize that everything kind of does matter the especially in the new shows and in the new like movies there's things that uh, uh a character who is a small character if they don't do it in that show or in that movie then luke's not going to be able to get to dagobah or the death star plan and, and like they have nothing to do with the main characters but it's like you know it's really amazing and like that's kind of like a theme star wars like everything is kind of connected it like everything's kind of really connected all these little things mean something whenever a character does something or fails or accomplishes it all leads up to like the other movies which i think is really amazing and with that star wars was the first i don't know ip or property where when the movie was over i felt like things were still happening i felt like the characters were still doing things and seeing places and i you know i felt like there was a world there that i couldn't see but like it kept going and then when the next movie came it was like Okay, this is where they are now, but they've they've done a whole bunch of living and and space fighting and space everything before we were here. Star Wars has made me a less jaded person. Whenever I have like dark times, I go to Star Wars. When I have good times, I go to Star Wars. And like the lessons in there, like when when Luke asks uh, Yoda, "Is the dark?" and I feel like everyone needs to take a lesson. In this when Luke's like, "Is the dark side stronger?" Is the dark side stronger? No. This is your most seductive. But how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace. Passive. Mm. A Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense. Never attack. And Yoda's like, no, it's easier. It's um, quicker. It's more seductive. It's like, yeah, doing the right thing is hard. It's not easy, you know, but you need to do it because it's the right thing. Um, but yeah, man, I, I one of my favorite franchises of all time. If if you told me I could only watch one IP or franchise for the rest of my life, and that's including everything MCU, whatever, I'd have to pick Star Wars. There's there's nothing else. I don't think I could live without being able to watch Star Wars something or read Star Wars something. So that that's how much the franchise means to me. I want to throw out two things. Is is it still sort of tying to real life or, or whatnot? But Star Wars, one shout out to Harrison Ford because, and and I say this because, uh, so this movie came out nineteen seventy seven, you know, New Hope. He was thirty five years old. This was like his first like big role, like because I I happened to look at some things because I I I had heard one of those stories of like 
oh, he wasn't he wasn't even really an actor. He was like somebody who worked on set and did some stuff. Turns out, I mean, that was false. You know, and so you think about that, like, I don't know when he first started acting, but but I mean, you know, you think about it, I'm sure he's he'd been doing it a while. And and at most, he might have gotten like, I don't even know if, if you could say he was like a, a co-lead secondary character. It was just like little things where some weren't even credited. And he was just like a random name, even if his name was added. And then come 35 years old, he gets this role, 1977. And then, you know, the rest is history because what it was about maybe 81 or something, Indiana Jones uh, comes out, then all these different movies. And now, I mean, Harrison Ford is a, a common name known and his career has probably spanned over 40 something years, you know. So that so, so that's that's just something I'm just like that's that's interesting because I think especially today so much social media shows us like oh you know you can't be like Zendaya who got huge roles at the age of maybe 19 or something you know if, uh, just you know keeping in mind like your your big breakout whatever it could be your big success it might not happen before you're 20 30 maybe even 40 you know so it's Morgan like Freeman just, blew up yeah. in his 40s yeah you know yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to want to mention that. And then uh, last thing too, I don't know if I've seen something like this again, but you know, I joked at first we mentioned the Greedo, uh, you know, the Greedo shot and everything. I I, I read this, I, I looked at this, and so up until about 1997, I think, like they when they did the whatever, I don't want to call it, it wasn't a remake, but it was just like the when special they remaster. It was the special edition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah that like they changed it because like in the original movie Han Solo shot first shot Greedo first yes and then in 97 or whatever yeah the the remaster they to make Han Solo seem more like a oh you know we're uh he's not that bad of a guy whatever and and to make him look better you don't want to make him look bad in front of the kids so you know exactly Greedo shoot first you know yeah yeah Greedo shot first (laughs) is that from an actual interview I don't know. I, I, you I mean, just like him. We don't want him to seem like a bad guy. But like that was the whole point. Yeah. When when Han shot first, it, it's crazy. When you go back and watch that movie up until that scene or scenes after that, you're like, is this even a good guy? Is he gonna betray yeah. them? You know, it really he's cold blooded. It wasn't until the Millennium Falcon came at the end of the movie. That I thought he was a good guy. I was down there. I thought that he whole time. got his bag and bounced, bro. I we not seeing Han no more. No more. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say to your point about the that 96, 97 master. I got that three VHS box set the same Christmas I got that um uh, Star Wars video game. Um and so my parents got it because I had been watching the original Star Wars on Spike TV nonstop. They do like a Star Wars marathon or whatever. And I will watch that every, I'm only child. Yeah, so like, yeah. <laughs> I used to just Spike watch. TV, boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I used to just run that thing over and over. And my parents noticed and and they, they you know, they got it for me. They weren't big sci-fi fans, but they, they took props to them for taking notice of my interest at the time. And so when I got the box set, like, I coveted it, bro. It was ashy, but like the tapes, the, the the box was gold, and it was it was just they had like uh, features at the end that shows you how they made certain scenes and how what they did to remaster and how they made the creatures look more lifelike and and how the greens like they broke down everything, bro. Like I obsessed over these three VHSs, and nobody in my friend group in my neighborhood, my nobody wanted to watch these with me. It was just. 
me flying solo, nerding out in my room as an only child. So the fact that there's a, a podcast that captures parents in this way who have similar interests to carve out spaces for, for nerds like us. I just wanted to thank y'all specifically for uh, engaged, engaged fathers um, and, 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 and folks who are unapologetic about the things you are interested in because little black kids, little, little kids who, who don't know the things that they care about matter need spaces like this to know that um, not only their ideas matter, but their parents are here to support them in, in all the things nerddom that they might encounter. So I love y'all for this, and I'm really grateful that I had a chance to kick it with y'all. Damn. Thanks, Donovan. <laughs> of course. Thanks, of course Appreciate man. it, brother. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This wraps up our episode of Star Wars. First and foremost, Dr. Donovan Livingston, thank you so much, brother. We oh, so you, much sir. appreciate having you and having yeah, your bro. expertise and your awesomeness bestowed upon the pop cult parent streets. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate man. you, family. My, my invitation for our Star Wars podcast with me and you is don't worry, I'm gonna send that to you. Nails, Shannon, don't right. worry about it. It's okay, <laughs> man. We'll still have pop cult parents. It's not it's about to happen. It's about to happen. All right. You can find us on all social media at pop cult parent, P-O-P-C-U-L-T-P-A-R-E-N-T. Visit us at www.popcultparent.com. Email us at popcultparent at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us, review, and subscribe. And as always, join the cult. Peace. The cult you will join. Ah. We out. <laughs> we out.